can say amen to that by experience. Praise the Lord. Well, we know if there's a people on the earth, it's going to be a tried people. It's going to be the elect of God. Has to be. In order to match the character of her king, in order to match the character of the city that she's going to. Gold, of course, is malleable. It's soft. It can be dealt with, unlike zinc, unlike iron, unlike steel, unlike carbon, other materials that man has found. It's very, very hard, but God wants your character to be molded and shaped through fire. Trying after trying after trying after trying. That's what it takes. We don't love it, but yet we do love it. We love the end result. We just don't like the process of it, do we? Amen. We certainly greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, I'm glad to have the visitors that are here with us tonight uh, from the wedding. Had a nice, really nice wedding, nice time yesterday. Let's turn tonight, if you would, to Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. It was setting at the uh, reception last night, and I couldn't keep from just thinking about that great table. And I walked in, they told us what table we're supposed to sit at, and I walked in and found the table number and saw my name there on that on the top of that table and I it just I don't know Brother Joel it just done something to me I just thought one of these days I've got my name set somewhere in that other table oh that's what I want don't you praise God amen Revelation chapter 22 verse 7 a few visitors that are with us tonight we've been looking at um, our new home. We've come through the streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl, all the beautiful colors and the splendor of that city. And then we're coming down to the closing chapter of the book of Revelation, which is chapter 22. After the Lord Jesus shows John the pure river water of life, then he breaks down into other aspects of this revelation, which is so important in verse in chapter 22. That is the vindication of the book how he sent the message and things that he feels is of great importance and great value uh, to the believers. So we'll pick up in verse 7 tonight. The words of the Lord Jesus, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth, not just reads them, not just quotes them, not just talks about them, not just sings about them, but keep us the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this Biblio, which is the Greek word where we get our word Bible from, the sayings of this book or this document, worship God. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now, if that was 2,000 years ago, I wonder how much closer we are here tonight. How many like to be remembered in prayer as we uh, pray over the word? God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, once again, it's such a privilege for us to be gathered together in the house of God. 
under the auspices of the revealed word of the hour. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. You're our everything, Father. We thank you for granting to us the privilege that we would have the right to eat of the tree of life, to be able to enter into the gates of that city. We know, Father, that the census was already taken for that city before the foundation of the world. We know nearly every city, even township, that we would drive into in America, and I've seen it in different parts of the world, that we would come into a city or a little township or sometimes even a community, and it will have the name of that place and many times the population. In order to gather that population number, they must have a census or status by which they know how many people are there. We know that there's already, hallelujah, already a city which has been made. And we know that there was already a census that was made for those who will dwell in that blessed paradise of God. As a matter of fact, the roll was made before the city was ever built. You know how many will live there. Their citizenship is already granted to them the right to partake of the tree of life to be able to go inside those gates. In your foreknowledge, it's already been decreed and done. But Lord, until we get to that time, no doubt there'll be many hardships and battles, things that we will face. But you show us the future many times that it might be encourages, an encouraging thing to us while we're going through this slot of time. So help us, I pray, Lord, as we look in time, may we also embrace the future. Father God, we're asking tonight for the needs of your children. Lord, I have in my hands tonight two prayer claws. Brother Randy Gissendaner and his wife, Sister Sharon. Lord, you see Brother Randy back in the hospital again today. And Lord, has been for a couple of days. We're just asking you tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'd move for our brother. Lord God, you see what he's facing, and we're just asking you, Lord, that you'd move for him. We pray for the doctors as well, that you would help them, Father, to be able to know how to, to be able to doctor our brother in the right way. We want to pray for Sister Sharon. We know it's been a real stressful time for her as well. Father, we're just asking that you'd be with them, that you'd bring them through this trial. May they be able to look back and see the hand of God had helped them, Father. We commit the word and the service to you tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's start tonight, if we can, in verse 10. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now, this is not the angel, as I pointed out to you last weekend, that there's a dialogue taking place between the angel of the Lord, between the Lord Jesus, and between John, the prophet messenger on the Isle of Patmos. They kind of go back and forth between which one is doing the talking, and you have to really pay attention so that you understand which one is saying what. But if you want, I want you to notice that he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now, unlike uh, predecessors which had come before John, that God would tell the prophets many times to seal up the writings of their book, because the time was not at hand for it to be fulfilled. But here he tells John on the Isle of Patmos not to seal it up, 
And you know, maybe John is wondering, what should I do? Because already the church is being persecuted. Already they've had the time when James was beheaded. They've had the time when others' lives have been taken. And we know that it would come and go. There would be a persecution and the devil would let up a little bit. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that the churches had rest. So there would be trouble and then there would be a time of ease and then there'd be trouble and then there would be a time of ease. So during these time frames, they would handle the word that was given to them in a different way. Part of the time they was being persecuted for the word, so they'd be a little bit more watchful what they would do with it. Would they make it public? Would they kind of hold it back a little bit and just pass it among the elect? So John needs this. Now, right, we're coming to the close of the very end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. So John needs the instruction. Now that I've got this, there's only a few more verses till we come to the end of the chapter. And the Lord Jesus wants John to know what to do with this book of Revelation. Now this is going to be the most questioned book of the entirety of all the Scripture. Of all the Old and the New Testament, this book is going to be most questioned. It's going to be one of the most misunderstood. It's going to be laughed at, ridiculed, made fun of because of all the symbolism that's on the inside of it. Uh, The Lord Jesus knows there will be agnostics, infidels, unbelievers that will take it, they'll critique it, they'll criticize it, they'll ridicule it. So he himself puts a special vindication on this book. And he knows apparently John will be wondering, now what do I do with this book after the book is completed in Revelation form? What do I do? Do I keep it in secret? Now he's been, as the scribe of the book, the one that's been writing it down for quite some time, but now it's going to come to the end of the book, so John is wondering, what do I do with the book? Do I seal it up? Do I hold it back? Do I make it known to the brethren? Because you know a little bit about the history of the book that there was a passage going forth from the Isle of Patmos. It was a prison island, so there was some coming and were taking scrolls back to the mainland to the believers, and they were kind of waiting to see the consummation of the book, what's going to happen. So John is wondering, and the Lord Jesus makes it known to John, John, don't do this the way that I instructed Daniel to do with his book, because the time is at hand. So we've moved to a closer time. Now these words, as we've looked at, has been confusing for 2,000 years. Uh, people that ridicule the book, that don't understand it, they say, well, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, I'm coming quickly, I'm coming soon. Well, first of all, they don't even know what he said, but he said it for us in the reality that when these things go to coming to pass, that the coming of the Lord Jesus will be quick at hand. Now, as far as time is concerned, when you would take God and eternity and compare 2,000 years, it's only been two days anyway, so it is pretty quick. But yet, he is uh, has a broader meaning of his words that when the consummation of these prophecies going to come in the cycle of the end time, then I will come very quickly after they go to come to pass. I really believe with all my heart, I'm sure you do as well, that we're living in a time when things are happening so fast that it is absolutely overwhelming, is it not? We are living in a world when the world is groping totally and insanity. You know that already, that people are killing one another. It is the end time repeating as it was in Genesis 6. And one of the signs of the end time in the antediluvian destruction was that there was violence that was filling the land. 
Look, friend, around us every day, every week goes by. You know, a shooter has happened today. Someone shooting innocent people, taking their lives. It is a time when violence is repeating itself again. And people, you never know what in the world. People are on. They're in another world. You're meeting them driving, driving down the highway. And they're as high as a kite or they're drunk as I don't know what. They don't even know where they are. You better pray before you even go to Walmart. That's right, because that is the hour that we're living in. So the Lord Jesus now, he's going to reveal this to John to let him know because the time of the church is fixing to change. Now Diocletian, of course, has not become the emperor yet, and neither are some of those which brought a bitter, bitter persecution against the church. But the Lord wants the book of Revelation to be revealed, though he knows part of it, the sequence of the events will not be utterly made known in the first church age or second or third, but part of it will be held unto the seventh. But yet there will be much of what is in the contents because the first church age has already started. Remember, it began in 53 AD. The Holy Ghost fell around 33 AD, so they had a span of about 20 years that it was in the bride form. That was the alpha state of the bride. Now that was before the church age began. Notice it, it is the mirror of what will happen in the last day. That was the alpha bride. So what do we do? We come at the end time of the Laodicean age and we have a span of time which is called the bride time, the bride light, the bride age. What is it? It's a span of time right at the end of the Laodicean age which as the alpha was, so is the omega. So it is the bride time again. God focusing on the bride, God focusing on the bride in the beginning, focusing on the bride at the end. That ought to make you happy tonight. So the Alpha has become the Omega. Now there were things revealed in the Alpha time that would be repeated in the Omega time which would not necessarily be revealed in the Middle Ages as it was with Luther, Wesley, and Pentecost. But it would be revealed as God would pick that appropriate time. So he tells John, John, don't seal up the prophecy in this book, but I want you, as you've wrote it down, I want you to make it public, share it with the church. Now, as I said in my prayer there, that the Lord Jesus knows sometimes that it is the future that actually gives us the enlightenment when we're going through terrible times in our lives. We know that he himself set before him the joy or the victory of what his death was going to purchase and what it was going to accomplish. And the Bible tells us that who for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame. So he gives to us the very same thing that was the recompense of his own reward. Insomuch that by setting the future of what it was going to be, no doubt he looked forward and he saw the city, he saw the rapture, he saw you and I, the throng of the millions of saints of God that will be in the city and he kept this before him as he was being beaten, as he was being whipped, as they were humiliating him, laughing at him and he set all this before himself because he is now in the very embodiment of humanity as the son of David as the root of David he takes upon him the very form of humanity in order to feel our infirmities and our weakness so he needed something in the future that would help give him the strength that he needed to go through the present time I don't know about you I need the same thing I thank God for the rapture don't you I thank God for the resurrection I thank God because no trial that I've ever gone through it will never be eternal 
No trial you'll ever go through will never be eternal. It had a day it started and there'll be a day it'll end. Sometimes it may seem like it's going on forever, but none of them are eternal. Trials cannot be eternal. Sickness cannot be eternal. Amen. Trouble cannot be eternal. It has a day it started. It'll have a day that it will end. So the Lord Jesus says, John, it's going to be very important. Because remember, the church ages, many of these first century preachers didn't even see or even understand that there was going to be an entirety of seven church ages. Paul never even mentioned seven church ages. Peter never mentioned seven church ages. It was not even revealed to them, if it was, they never wrote anything about it, until the Isle of Patmos that there was going to be seven churches, which was hid in the symbolism of seven natural churches in Asia. He never told them there's going to be 2,000 years of the gospel. There's going to be 2,000 years that I'm going to do all of these things. Oh my, he never even know that. So they just preach it as if the Lord's coming at any day. Many of them first century people never knew nothing about the seals. They knew, never knew nothing about the thunders. They knew nothing about the church ages. Why? They did not need it. They lived their life before the first church age. Many of the apostles, they lived their life and they were killed before the first church age ever even began. Think of it, children. So the church ages, the mystery of the church ages was not needed at the beginning. But at the end, we look back and see what God did. And we see what Satan done as well. Now, God knew that, of course, and then he keeps it unto the very end time. So he said, John, I want you to now not, not seal up the book and don't keep it sealed in a mystery form. Don't keep it, of course, hid, but let it be among the people. Let the people be able to read. Now, no doubt when them first century people begin to read some of the book of Revelation and they think, what in the world was that beast? You know, what was this one with the many heads and the ten horns? And what in the world did all that mean? Well, that part of it was not for them. So they would read it and probably say, I don't understand it. Well, it was not given to them. But what was given to them, maybe the encouragement of the first church age and the encouragement of the second church age and on and on. And no doubt they'd go over to Revelation 22 and they'd be able to take that and preach that as encouragement to their people when they were facing martyrdom and trials and the women were being absolutely ripped open, the babies torn out of their belly and they dashed their brains against the rod. They needed something to encourage them. Is that right? So what was he going to do? Thank God for the gospels. But the gospels never told them about this. Thank God for the writings of Paul, but much of the writings of Paul never revealed to them what the apocalypse the book of Revelation revealed. So it was something in the book of Revelation, though in mystery form, but there was so much of reality that was there. It was time for the church to start understanding what was allocated for their time. Now you think how blessed you and I are to live in the very day when God said in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets. You know what? That lets us know, my friend, where we are. We're at the end time. Now watch in Daniel chapter 8 verse 26. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision? For it shall be for many days. Now notice Daniel's prophecy is going to be for the end time. Notice Daniel 12 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of 
the end. Many shall run to and fro. Knowledge shall be increased. Verse 8, and I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Now, the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy was way, way down the road. Thousands of them. There's part of Daniel's prophecy that still hasn't come to pass to this very day. But it will because it was the word of the Lord. So God said, don't worry about it, Daniel. Daniel himself sorry, said, I don't even understand what it means. But it was the word of the Lord. He said, seal it up. It's fine. Leave it right there until the end time. And God told him, don't worry about it. Just let it be there. So the fulfillment was not in his lifetime. It was not in the next generation thereafter. But he tells John, John, I don't want you to do that now. I want you to be able to go with the book and also with the illumination that I've given you concerning the revelation. Now remember, John leaves the Isle of Patmos and he goes back among the brethren and John lives the oldest life among the apostles, about 90, something like that. And he lives his life, a good, long, fruitful life, able to be among the saints and no doubt he reiterated these visions over and over again. So they was able to read them and then able to be able to have a question answer service of John wow wouldn't that have been something so he wanted the common people to be able to have it now notice notice Jesus now he goes into the setting of the time because this begins a new era now we know of course that his birth actually began a new era before then was called BCE before the common era at his birth it changed even the time calendar even our own lives folks that don't even believe in him it don't make any difference even though every day that they write uh, the date of the year and all that it's because of his Story, history, his story, history, right? So it was BCE before the common era. Then after that, it was under Domino, which is AD. And then the, every time they write a check and put it on there, it has to do with his advent to the earth. So it's his story. Like it or not, but believe it or not, don't really matter. Difference is still the same anyhow. So also, now we come to a spot in this phase of the revelation. So something has happened now in the first church age. And we're in the Ephesian age whenever this happens in 96 AD. Now notice that the mindset... But the word goes to being revealed that the Lord Jesus says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous. Now can you imagine the Lord Jesus saying this after the great paradise of God and the streets of gold and walls of Jasper. But remember now we're coming down to the end. And this is going to lead us to the very end. So this message here contains the message of every church age. I'll tell you friend why I believe we're rapidly coming to where the consummation of these words will be finalized in this time frame that we're living. To where that people will finally arrive to their destiny where they will no longer be able to cross either way forward or backward now notice here is the master himself saying this he that is unjust let him be unjust still he which is filthy let him be filthy still he that is righteous let him be righteous still he that is holy let him be holy still so if men desire to be ungodly unrighteous filthy if that's what they want let them go that way it is untimely up to them. Now remember it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. We believe there is an elect, do we not? 
We also believe there's another group called whosoever will let them come and take of the water of life freely. Any man, woman, boy or girl that winds up going to hell, winds up going to hell because they chose to do so. Because it is not God's will that anybody go to hell, but they will go to hell because they choose to live the way they want to live and turn down the water of life. Well, praise God. Look, friend, if you're sitting here tonight and you're lost without God, you say, well, I'm not bright, I'm not nothing. Who told you that lie? The Lord Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He don't say he loved the bride, but he said the world, cosmos, world order. God so loved the cosmos, world order, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might, might. He didn't say they would be, but they might. But the bride ain't might. Amen. If people want to be saved tonight, they might be and they might not. It's up to them, but the bride will be. There ain't no might about the elect of God. They're already in his sinking before the world. But if people want to be saved, they can be saved. If they don't want to go to hell, they can just tell the devil, devil, you go back to where you come from. I ain't going to hell. I'm going to be with Jesus. I may live outside the city. I may be the farthest one out, but I ain't going to your place, devil. So get away from me and leave me alone. Listen, friend, if you don't realize it, you need to. There's going to be millions and millions of people that's going to live outside this city. They are not born again. They are not filled with the Holy Ghost. They are not the elect of God. They are the nations of the world. But the Lord Jesus loves humanity so much he made a way. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not be bride, not be led, but be saved. So if men want to continue on in their own character, let them do so. Oh my, my. Now notice this has never been said now quite like this. Until we come this phase in the book of Revelation. So it shows there was a change. There was something, a dispensational change heading toward that people are going to come to their spot. I believe there's people sitting right here tonight have come to that spot of no return in your life. You have crossed that line from time into eternity. You will never go back to the world again. At one time you was in the world. You loved the world. You was a part of the world. But by the grace of God you have crossed over that line. And you've come to the point of no return. You will never be a sinner again. You will never be lost again. You'll never be a foreigner in the economy of God. Hallelujah. You are an eagle. You're eating on eagle food, you're soaring in heavenly places in Christ. Now, of course, you know the word filthy relates to moral living. So it's the morality. And are we in that time? It's the sensual part, of course, of man, unregenerate man. That's what you choose, go ahead. You imagine that there are people in the earth tonight also that have crossed the line on the other side. They are living now what they will be in, when they are in the regions of the lost 
Now think of it. People will not just go in the regions of the lost and just burn and suffer. But they will take with them their unregenerate, rotten, low-down, sinful character. Can you imagine millions of these people being there and maybe be punished for thousands of years or millions of years and you're sealed into that spot and you're filthy when you leave here. You're filthy when you're there. You're not only lost and suffering and pain, but all everybody around you is filthy and rotten and low down. Come on, children. Oh man, I don't want to go to such a place. Well, I ain't going to. Well, Brother Donnie, what if you ain't bright? That has not one thing to do with it. I'm not going whether I'm bright or not. I never seen my name on the book of life. I believe it's there. I believe I'm bright, but if I ain't bright, I ain't going to hell because I don't want to go to hell. Come on, children. Don't sit there and look at me bug-eyed. You let the devil talk you into that spot. Well, if you ain't bright, you might as well go in the world. You're believing a lie straight from the pits of hell. If you don't want to go to hell, you don't have to go to hell. If you want to live for Jesus Christ, you can do it. But what if I'm not bride? There'll be millions of people that are not bride that will walk down those streets of gold. Why? Because they want to. You imagine? So their polluted soul will always be polluted. Their lost condition will emanate in their being for thousands of years as they are punished. They will feel a lost feeling unlike anything we can imagine in our minds. Not just the suffering, the torment of hearing preachers. The torment of feeling the Spirit of God call their heart. Realizing they're lost. And you're in the paradise of God. And watch Jesus flip it around now. He that is righteous... Let him be righteous still. So you enter into that place with the Lord Jesus, you'll never be nothing else but saved. As a matter of fact, if you're in the presence of God tonight and see by the Holy Ghost, the Lord don't even ever remember you ever being a sinner. Only thing he remembers about you has been in his mind before the foundation of the world. Oh, you say, my past, my past, past? A child of God may have a past as far as people are concerned. You may have a past as far as your own memory is concerned. But what I love about it is, once we really come under the blood of the Lord Jesus, he so annihilates our past in the eyes of God, there is no past. So a child, I, I don't understand that, Brother Donnie. I don't understand it either, but I say glory. I say praise the Lord It's that way. Amen. How could he live with us and remember our past? He cannot. Why? Because he chooses to forget it. Amen. Glory be to God. Notice Jesus says in verse 12, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. To give every man, notice now what the reward is going to be determined by, according as his work shall be. Now this is not a reward of grace. 
They say, okay, I'm just going to give you that and give you that and give you that. No, this reward is a reward according to works. Now, even the elect of God stand before his, his throne, not before the white throne, of course. But in order to be given rewards, and the saints said, according to every man's work. Now here we're dealing with the filthy and we're dealing with the just. So those that will go to the regions of the lost, they are getting the recompense of the reward of the life they chose to live. Every time they passed a church sign and they read a scripture, God so loved the world or something like that, and a little something just felt a little funny in their heart. They walked by Walmart and they seen a Bible laying there or something touched their heart, pricked their heart. They knew, they knew there was something that dealt with them. Well, come on, Happy Valley, don't be quiet on it. But they are going to receive the recompense of their reward. He said, yeah, I'm bringing my reward. And those will be judged accordingly. Oh my. Now watch what he does. He identifies himself. I love this because this is a personification of his deity actually. And he says, my reward is with me. Notice this. These words are taken out of Isaiah 40 and 10. And it is the true Jehovah, the eternal God. There is a reward of debt or reward of merit or reward of grace or a recompense of reward so he is identifying himself as the eternal not no second person of the Godhead I'm going to give to every man according as his work shall be watch this in verse 13 I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last, he don't say, I'm daddy's little boy now. I'm sitting up here in heaven and my daddy's got a big old throne and I've got a little bitty tiny throne and I sit over here by my daddy and I sit down real low and I look up here at my daddy and think, wow, what a great man. God ain't no man. God is a spirit. God is invisible. John saw one throne and one that sat on it. Come on, friends. There wasn't two people sitting in one throne. There's only one person sitting on one throne. And that was the Lord God manifested through the office of his mediatorial work in the form of Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I originated this whole plan. I'm the founder of it. I'm the author of it. I'm ending it. Praise God. That's why it's not up to me and you to say when it's over. It's not up to me and you to say, well, the lamb left the throne. He'll let us know when that happens. He'll let us know because the rapture will consummate in a few minutes afterwards. Oh, praise God. It's not up to you and I. Notice this in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me. So now, which is the first, God or Jesus? So we got two firsts and two lasts. Unless they're the same. Well, praise the Lord. They got two alphas and two omegas. There can't be. There can't be two beginning letters and two ending letters of the Greek alphabet. There's only one. Praise God. What's he doing? Closing out this book with his deity. 
I am Alpha and Omega. Notice now, then God says, I'm the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And actually the Hebrew word, of course, is Adonai. Adonai says, thus says Adonai, the King of Israel and its Redeemer, Adonai of host heavenly armies, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. By applying this text to himself, the Lord Jesus is saying, I am the Adonai of the Old Testament. I know there's some message folks that don't like that no more because they got two gods they're worshiping. They got two lords and they, well, Jesus ain't God according to them. Well, I say they're liars. Well, praise the Lord. That's right. I heard one of the message preachers say some time back that Jesus better be careful and better watch what he's doing or he'll lose his power. You think, what kind of knothead have we got? A man standing behind the pulpit ain't even got no business to be upholding a Bible, much less preaching. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this again in Revelation 1.8. Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And there's only one of them. The Almighty. Revelation 21.6, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. The first and the last, the self-existing one, independent, unchanging, irrefutable, almighty, powerful God. Hallelujah. Not no second person of the Godhead. He is the Godhead made manifest in the personification of what God wanted to call a son of God. Amen. Our sufficiency is of Christ. Our satisfaction is of Christ. Our joy is of Christ. Our completion is of Christ. Our resurrection is of Christ. Our I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. Amen. When we get up in the morning, our joy comes from Him. Our peace comes from Him. Our satisfaction comes from Him. There's nothing in the world can satisfy like the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is joy unspeakable and full of glory the first, the last, the alpha the omega, the beginning and the end, the almighty notice in the next verse that Jesus says or that John writes down he says verse 14 Blessed are they that do. Now we're living in an age when folks don't want to do. Their emphasis is what they believe. It's all about faith. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, which exempts them from most works they think. But the Lord Jesus now, closing out this book of Revelation again, saying it now in a different way. The other verse, he said, keep the sayings of the book. Now, this is one of the seven beatitudes of the book of Revelation. Blessed are they that do, not quote, not memorize, but do. 
his commandments that they may have right, excusia, authority to take of the tree of life. And may enter in through the gates into the city. Now we're living in an age when folks are nervous. They get real nervous when you go to talk about doing. Because folks don't want to be pushed. Don't push me now. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Give me time. Give me time. Don't push me. Well, let's look at it this way. Just for the avenue of faith. Oh, I believe. I believe. But I just don't do. Well, let's, let's approach drinking alcohol the same way. Smoking cigarettes. Betting at the horse races. Getting on all kinds of other sin. And let's say, well, I, I, I believe in alcohol. What do you drink? No. Well, I, I, I believed in alcohol for 75 years. And, and you've never drunk. Well, what do you believe about it? Well, I believe that there's alcohol. And I believe people say that it helps them. And then gives them a headache afterwards and other things as well. But, I mean, I, I believe in that. Well, I believe in mess and I believe in uh, you know, all these other things. Uppers, downers, inners, outers, middlers, and flatters. And, you know, I, I believe, I believe. But have you ever had any? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't partake of them. You believe in them, but you don't. So a real believer in alcohol, guess what they do? They don't drink Gatorade. A real believer in cigarettes, guess what they do? Smoke. A real believer in mass is a methite. And nuts. What a real believer in Jesus. Well, I believe in Jesus. Oh, everybody believes in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I don't want to just believe in Jesus. I want to do what Jesus said. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just sing about it. I want to do what the man says do. Notice this now in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 17. There's a great controversy, of course, among theologians and has been for thousands of years, really. The way Paul set forth in the book of Romans about man being justified by faith, the way James sets it forth that man is justified by works. And we know the prophet really straightened it out. You know, Luther really got that scrupled up bad in the early years of his ministry. Luther said that James was wrong. He absolutely said James did not have the anointing of the Lord on him at all. Years later, after Luther became a little bit more established, he repented of that and said, well, uh, James, I guess, was all right. But, you know, Luther was struggling with, with faith coming out of Catholicism and, and trying to preach faith alone. And you know, this confused him. And it has for many theologians as well. They say believe the same thing. But the prophet of God took this book and he helped us to see that faith is what God saw about Abraham and works is what people saw about Abraham, Rahab, and us and every other, everybody else that believes. 
Now watch James, how that James emphasizes on this about faith. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. So a person believes in alcohol and yet they don't drink alcohol and it's dead. So people believe in Jesus. Oh, everybody believes in Jesus. Hippies, you know, everybody believes in Jesus. But they don't go repent, they don't get baptized, they don't quit, quit all their habits, they don't even go to church. But they believe in Jesus. Do they have faith? They do. Dead faith. Now notice what James said. These are not my words. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is necros. Dead. Let's read the word. One that has breathed his last. (laughs) That's what happens to faith with no works. (sighs) Then that faith dies. Then you become what? Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now can people have faith in this? And of course they can. Notice James said, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. One that hath breathed his life's breath, lifeless, deceased, Departed, destitute of life, without life, inanimate, destitute of force or power, inactive, inoperative, workless faith is worthless faith. Workless faith is worthless faith. I believe, I believe, I believe people will be saying that when we're gone in the rapture. People will be saying that in the tribulation period and they're as lost as the devil is lost. Now, do we not still call a man or a woman, (laughs) which is a corpse, a man or a woman? Once they die, do we call them a dog? Well, some of you may think they are. Maybe maybe you never had the courage to tell them they're facing. I'll tell you one thing. You sorry, rode that rotten thing. (laughs) You see, that's nominal faith. So the carcass, the body, is laying there, this man or woman. They still have their eyes. They have their ears, their nose, their mouth, their fingers, right? All the mechanics, all the organs are, are there just as it was five minutes ago. But yet their breath, so they're inanimate. Nothing is now breathing inside of them to make them operative. So they're laying there and they've got eyes and hair and mind. We've all stood around loved ones. When they pass in, in a moment, they're there. In a moment, they're gone. And in a little while, we touch their hand and we come up. You know, when they're in the, in the, in the casket up here and we look at them and, and we reach over and touch them. And what is it? It's an empty house. It's where they lived. And this is why we cry because this is all we've known of them all of our life. But the life that lived in them is gone. But yet the eyes are there. The ears are there. The teeth is there. The hair is still there. Right? Their feet.
feet are still there. Their hands are still there. Them hands that caressed you and touched you. And now those hands cannot move. That's the way faith is. Well, that works. Oh, I believe. I believe. I believe. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. What do you want me to do? Wait till you're 500 years old? You want me to wait till you wind up in the tribulation period and then say, rush me, rush me. No, I'm going to rush you now. I'm going to tell you, why wait till next week to get closer to God? Why wait till next year to say, yes, I want to be closer. Let's start tonight, my brother, sister. So it's a lifeless carcass. Without a soul, without a spirit, necros, dead. That's the way faith is, without works. This is why John, when he come preaching the message of repentance, he said, hey, don't you just say this and say that and say something else. Words are cheap. He said, bring forth fruits. Meat for repentance. Well, is that the Bible? Now, we can look at that and say, well, it is. You know, it's Uncle John's body. It's Aunt Mary's body and her eyes and her hair. I I know her anywhere. That's her hands. That's this and that and the other, you know. But charity, the goodness of God, the heartbeat, now parallel it in the spiritual sense, the heartbeat, the inanimate thing that makes it alive, it's gone. And yet they'd be able to scan the body with a CT scan and MRI and say, yeah, the heart's still there. The kidneys are still there. The bladder's there. The lungs is there. The tissue, the bone, the marrow, it's all gone. It was just like it was there a few minutes ago. What happened? Something invisible left out of there. And when that invisible part left, it took the life with it. That's what happens to faith, friends, whenever we, oh my, we look so much at our symptoms and we look at so much of the conditions of the world around us. And if we're not careful, it will paralyze our faith. But Brother Donnie, we're living in a terrible time. You think I don't know that? But I'm telling you, our God is greater than the terrible time we're living in. There's sickness everywhere. I know there's sickness everywhere. But I'm here tonight to tell you our God is bigger than all the sickness. He's bigger than all the disease. He's bigger than all the heartache. And if we're not careful, we'll let our faith die and become a carcass in a casket. And we still got eyes to read the books. And we still got ears to hear the taste. But we ain't got no power to live what we're hearing. You see, people with dead faith substitute words for deeds. That's why when somebody in the message gets away from God, it's so hard to deal with them because they know so much. You need to, I know. You need to, I know. You need to, I know. I'm not asking for what you know. I'm trying to lead you to God. I know, I know, I know. What good does it do to know it if your faith is a carcass in a casket? Praise the Lord. James chapter 2 verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy face without thy works, and I will show thee my face by my works. 
Now, there must have been an argument during this time frame as well as it would be later, of course, and it's really an argument right now, naturally, in the later sin, soft, lazy age. Notice in verse 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe. (laughs) The devil ain't no Trinitarian. He's been before the throne of God. He knows there ain't three up there. Notice in verse 20, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Brother Donnie, what's this got to do with our future home? Everything. I'm preaching about the people who have citizenship in the city. Oh my, now a sinner is saved, of course, by faith, without works, but true saving faith will produce godly works. A sinner don't come to God, well, I'm going to quit this, and I'm going to quit that, and I'm going to start this, and I'm going to start that, and God, tell me how far I've got to go. No, they come to God by faith and accept what God has already done as a completed work for their salvation, but if they really receive that right, then they will pick up and start doing godly works. You see, a Christian is not a matter of what we say with our lips. It's the way we live our lives. Amen. Am I going to have to preach an amen myself too? (laughs) Notice in verse 21, James says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Which when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar... Seest thou how faith wrought, wrought, I love this word, wrought. Sernagil, work with, workers together. Be partner in labor to put forth, oh my, power together with and thereby to assist. Amen. Don't you see what faith and works do? Faith helps work to assist along. And works testifies back to the reality of the animate power of faith. Oh, I love the Lord and I want to do better and I want to this. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you never do nothing. You never do nothing. Why don't you be honest? Let's just bury your old dead faith unless you have a resurrection and get a live man inside of your heart. I want to, I want to, I need to, I need to. You go to hell saying that. You gotta get beyond saying I need to, I need to, I need to, and do something about it. Boy, it's getting hot in here tonight. Woo. Man, I thought I was going to preach about heaven. I'm kind of feeling the flames of that other place in here. <laughs> See us thou how faith wrote with his works. And by works, Lord have mercy. By works was faith made perfect, attained its fully consummated development? To Leo arrived to the place of completion? This is the way faith reaches its final stage. Don't you understand? This is the rapture, friends. This is what's going to lead the bride to rapturing faith. 
she obeys every word God shows her. This is why the church world cannot go. They can't stop cutting their hair. They can't stop wearing pants. They can't stop doing this and that and the other. They can't obey the little things. How can they obey a body change? But to you who obey the word of God, the body change is the final stage of your obedience. Oh, hallelujah. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your soul, it brought your body subject to the word. For years you've been obeying that. And the rapture is the final obedience to the power of God in your soul. It must have energy, divine energy. Whew. Notice in verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and he was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called, wow, the friend of God. But it wasn't all just based on, I believe, I believe. I know, I know, I need to, I need to. One of these days, one of these days. Now I wonder if more people would wind up being drunks if they approached alcohol the same way. They said, why don't you drink it? Ah, one of these days, one of these days. But not today. Here's some dope, uh, here, here's uh, uh, pornography, here's, nah, um, maybe tomorrow. Don't push me, Dad. Don't push me. <laughs> Devil, don't push me. Don't push me. I smell something. Is that hide I'm smelling? Do people tell the devil that? Do they tell sin that? Do they tell their worldly friends that? Don't push me now. Don't push me. Don't push me. How do most people do? They jump headlong into sin. But of course, when it comes to God, they're an inchworm. That was 37 years. That was 375 years. That was 10,382 years. Because I've got to approach it so slow. What are you afraid of? Some of you that's been sitting in this church for 30 years, what are you waiting on? Well, I know I need to. And I know it too. Thank you for these gray hairs. Thank you for wearing me out. At least I've got you to the spot that you know you need to. I'm not sure I'll be long enough to ever get you over, but at least you know you need to. Boy, these poor visitors, I feel so sorry for them tonight here. They're thinking, Lord, have mercy. My, my. Can I go on? Thank you. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. I love the way Brother Branham expresses this. Now notice Jesus has said, only believe for all things are possible to them that believe. Faith and works 
are husband and wife. They work together. The husband works with the wife and the wife with the husband. They identify one another. Like a man says he's married and yet he can't produce and show that he has a wife. You doubt his claim. Call it judging. Call it whatever you want to do. If you say you're married and I ain't, I've been around you for 40 years and ain't never seen your wife, I think there's something wrong with you. You say you believe, you believe, you believe, you believe and don't move on in God. There's something wrong with your believing. I want to see your wife. I want to see your works with your faith. Don't just tell me what you believe. Don't tell me how great you are. Show me. Show me. Oh my. You see, you doubt his claim. See, a man said, I'm married. Where's your wife? Oh, I don't know about that. See, see, it'd be kind of hard thing for me to believe him. I said, well, where's your wife? Well, I, I don't know. I ain't going to believe it. Hey, Donnie, you ain't supposed to judge people. Who says anything about judging? I'm a fruit inspector. Oh, my. So you see, if you have what you say you have, I have faith. How are you going to show me you got faith? By your work. See, I am married. How do I know you're married? This is my wife. Why does Laodicea wind up in the tribulation period? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But they ain't married. They ain't married. They can't get the world off of them. They can't get their face cleaned up. They can't even know what kind of right kind of music to listen to. Come on, saints. They don't even know what kind of right books to read. They read old filth and fill their mind with a bunch of sensual nonsense. I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. I believe, I believe, I believe. Let me see your wife. Because your wife will be works and faith and works together will have a child and it will be the fulfillment of the promise of God in our lives. How you gonna show me you've got faith by your works? See, I'm married. How do I know you're married? This is my wife. See, there you are, I'm married. This is my husband, I'm healed. How do you know? It's a sign with healing or salvation. Oh, I'm so sick. I've got this going on. But stand right there in his promise. Look, friend, you can believe what you want to about this. I thought I was ready for Saturday night service. But the Lord woke me up this morning before daylight and gave me this, so somebody better listen. Hallelujah. For about 45 minutes to an hour in his presence, just this stuff going through my mind, my wide open. I just said, Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love it when he comes and does it. You know what it is? It's a stimulation of revelation. It's for somebody here tonight. Come on, saints. My works. Notice he said, I am healed. How do you know? My works show my faith. Imagine the Brother Branham praying for the man with the little baby in his legs and feet all twisted out. Running to the man the next day, downtown. What was he doing? Wasn't looking for a wheelchair. He wasn't looking for a pair of crutches. He's buying that baby a pair of shoes. <laughs> Amen. 
Praise be to God. The baby wasn't walking yet, but it's fixing to. What is he doing? Amen. He's got that wife. Get out of my way, devil. Oh, you can't even move. I just want, all right, I'll wiggle that little finger. My arm may be paralyzed. If I can't do nothing but wiggle that little finger, you better get back off, devil. I moved that finger. It's the first time in 20 years. Here come my wife. You better get out of my way. This thing ain't holding me back no longer. This timber has, this temper has aggravated me. The lust of the flesh has aggravated me. But I believe God's word out of my way, devil. Then what will people see? Your wife. My works show my face. See, what you're speaking of, your faith is what God sees in you. Your works is what the other people see in you. That's the difference between James and Paul explaining about Abraham. They never contradicted one another. They were both saying, notice, they were, they was both the same married. <laughs> what a way to answer that. Both the same marriage. So is faith that doesn't produce works. Anyone has a right, That's right. to doubt your testimony. Now do you hear it before we start the prayer line? If your faith doesn't produce works with it, you can't make anyone believe you're healed. Say, so, well, I don't know why, yes, sir, I got all the faith in the world. You don't. Because if you got faith and works, it's married to faith. Their husband and wife and one identifies the other one. John expressed his faith in what God revealed to him. Therefore, works is faith's testimony. And when they see you acting, oh, my God. Now, Brother Donnie, I can't act. You bunch of liars. Everybody in here acts one time or another. If you run into somebody you don't want to meet, you'll act like you didn't see them. Ooh, Jesus. Oh, got something in my eye. Oh, oh it's all better now. That's right, he's gone. Don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels, like you don't know what I'm talking about. Every one of us act one time or another. What if you're going to act? Why not act faith? Well, I've got to be real. Oh, you hypocrite. Notice what the prophet said. When they see you acting like you're healed. Now you ain't healed yet and the symptoms are still there but you're acting like you're healed. Well, I ain't gonna be no hypocrite, praise God, but if you're acting on God's words, you ain't being no hypocrite. You're letting the devil lie to you. Praise God. When they see you acting like you're healed, then they'll know you got faith that you are healed. What does your testimony say? Saying this, I have it now. Because I've received God's promise. It is now working in me. I am making ready for it to happen. You're not acting false, friend. You're making ready for the promise. Abraham went down to the doctor's office and said, Hey, buddy, I want to schedule an appointment. Me and my wife needs to see an obstetrician. 
that we need some doctors, we need some baby bottles, we need some Verde, we need this and that and the other. We're going to have a baby. He said, yes, sir, what kind of coat you wear? We're fixing to lock you up. You're crazy. He said, I ain't crazy. I'm fixing to have a baby. Glory to God. Hallelujah, he'd say. Can I have a few more minutes? You imagine James going from Abraham to Rahab. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers. Preachers. Now friends, you can't make Brother Branham say something the Bible didn't say. I know, I know there's people around their message that literally believe Rahab played tapes. Because Brother Branham sets it in a parabolical form that they went down there and played tapes. So they believe Rahab played tapes. This is a type of stupidity we have around our ranks. Thank God you've got a sound, solid gospel mind. Well, praise the Lord. That proves what you believe in. You said under false prophets. Likewise also was not Rahab the heart justified by works when she had received the angelios, angel, messenger, envoy, one who sent an angel, a messenger from God and had sent them out. Another glory to God, Brother Donnie, it proves it was a prophet. Really? The token brother Ben said the word Joshua means Jehovah Savior. So does Jesus mean the Savior. And Joshua, when he knowed his messengers, his messengers returned back and said, I have obeyed your orders. And there was a woman we found when we played the tapes, you know. We found a woman that believed. And we told her, oh, oh what are they doing talking if they're just supposed to play tapes? Oh, we got a problem here now. Houston, we got a problem. We found a woman that believed and we told her that all that would come under that red sign back to the token, it would mean, now I have preached that. Will you honor it, Joshua? I sent you to do it. Amen. <laughs> be to God. So playing the tapes was preachers preaching. Whoa. I love it. I love it. Hey, this is what I hear when I push play. This is what I hear when I push play. I find it amazing that other folks push play and don't hear this quote. (laughs) 
And then when that God honored it, the house never shook down. And when Joshua stood there and gave the signal to destroy, the whole thing went right straight up. And Rahab of all of her people sat right. And all of their possession, amen and amen, possession was in the house safely. They just stood there. They didn't have to look out the window. They could read the scripture while the battle was going on. She come right back and courted the general in the army and was raised up and come into Bethlehem. Her portion was allotted in there. Why? It was the very type of the Gentile bride. So she didn't say, I believe. I believe every word. If you don't obey it, you are a liar. Let's stand. Hebrews eleven thirty one. Hebrews eleven thirty one. By faith the heart at Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the the spies was peace, so she didn't despise the spies. I hope this don't shake you too bad. Keep in mind, Rahab was already a believer before they got there. (laughs) Oh, you thought she'd become a believer after they was there. No, no, no. Not according to Joshua chapter 2 verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof and she said unto them, I know that Jehovah Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. How did she know this name? It was kept from the Gentiles. This was the secret name of God. How did she know it? I know that the Lord has given you the land. Sounds like a believer to me. And that your terror has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. They just talk about you and they go, (laughs) I know that the Lord, Adonai, it's the Hebrew word, Jehovah, which they leave out the vowels, the existing one, the proper name. Of the one true God. Verse 10. We have heard. How the Lord. Dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when you came out of Egypt. Don't you love it when God goes to heaven. Other people testifying on your behalf. What you did to the two kings of the Amorites and what was on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard, faith comes by. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She was already a believer. She was already a believer. She was already ordained to life. She just needed to make a connection so her faith could be expressed by her works. 
Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord. Since I have showed you kindness that you will also show kindness unto my father's house. Yep, she's a true believer. She's wanting a token. And give me a true token. That you will save alive my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters. And all they and deliver our lives from death. And the man answered her, our life for yours. If you utter not this our business. Well, I don't mind telling you, friend. What was it? That's about the father's business, which was what? Destroying cities. What's our business? Destroying denominations, inside and outside the message. Blasting false prophets. It's part of my business. I'm a businessman. I work for the first and original businessman. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall. And she dwelled upon the wall. What was that? She jeopardized her life. The king called for her to come. We heard you received some preachers over at your house. We don't believe in preachers. So she let down the cord and said, go that way. I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Whenever we get gone, take that same cord attached to messengers. It wasn't an electric cord for a tape player. It wasn't a USB cable. Now you imagine, here they come. They march around it the first day one time, second day, again and again and again, seventh day, seven times. And the earth starts trembling and shaking. Now these walls are going to fall down flat. And she lives upon the wall. Her house was the only house in Jericho that had an elevator. A divine elevator. Everybody else. She's just saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be. Mama, Mama, it's fine. I have the words of the men of God and the token that's on display. And her house just started going. Here come them preachers. Praise God. They were around looking. They didn't have a hard time finding her because she's the only one that still had a, a, a door. And a doorbell and windows and walls and all the rest of the thing. Everybody else had crumbled. Look, friend, let them laugh at us. Let them make fun of us. Everything around us is crumbling. We're going to have the only house left. It's the house of God. Amen. We're going to have the only house that's going to be left standing. It's the house of God. It ain't the house of Donnie Regan. It ain't the house of William Branham. It's the house Jesus built. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell. I'm not prevailing against it.
works. Is faith expressed? Now you imagine every day. People come out and say, what is that? Oh, Lord, you know what she is. It's probably some kind of code. You got that right. Everybody knows what she is. Just some kind of new code. But they notice the men stopped coming to the house. Ah. A real change in this old gal. It wasn't, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. If you believe, the men will stop coming. Or the women, or whatever more. Imagine some of them Jerichoites that walk by and say, I feel funny every time I walk by that cord. That, that means something. The token on display. Friends, are we going to do what he said or are we just going to say, I believe it. I believe it. Let's be a doer of the word. Don't you love him with all your hearts? Praise God. I'm going to preach this again in the morning. Let's bow our heads together. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Heavenly Father, we don't want to be a people just faith alone. Lord, it's what's happening to many people around our ranks and even in Christendom, Lord. They've had faith for so many years with hardly any works at all. And they don't understand why we so push both of them together. Because faith will die without manifesting godly works. It's like Adam in the Garden of Eden by himself. He was a god. Yet he was so alone, so empty somehow. Faith is wonderful. Faith is the man of the union. We know the prophet said faith has has hair on its chest. That's truly the man. But yet faith needs an expression. It needs works. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd help each of us. Lord God, we desire the right kind of works. Not working for our salvation, but once we've received our salvation, let our salvation work its way out. Thank you, Father. Let people laugh at us and say, well, they preach do's and don'ts and where you can go and can't go and you can't watch this and you can't do that. You can't read these kind of books and you can't do that. To people that don't understand, it's nothing but a bunch of do's and don'ts and legalism as far as they're concerned. But to us, it's obedience to what our husband asks. How foolish it might have seemed for you to take Abraham up on the mountain when you knew all along. You wasn't going to have him to offer his son. But the thing of it was, Abraham didn't know it. You knew he would do that. But you needed for his faith to be married to his works. And his faith and his works got married only a few seconds before the death of his son. Lord, how many times have you allowed us 
and our faith and our works to become married. It's a shame that it takes desperation and terrible times sometimes in our life to force us. But we know that you do it because you love us. Father God, help us, I pray. May we be more desirous, Lord Jesus, to express godly works that we can be a family, the family of God. You were alone. Your prophet said you dwelt alone with cherubims, but you wanted attributes. They were in your mind, but they could not talk to you. They could not love you, and you could not fellowship with them. So through works and expressions of words, you allowed those attributes to become expressed. Oh, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. But Lord, how much through your works have you extended to us and put up with us and our shortcomings and our failures to bring us to the proper expression. It's the same with our works. May we tonight, Father, those of us that are truly born again, and we have works in our lives, but it ought to make every one of us desire more. Desire more to be coupled with our faith. Lord, when situations will come our way, it's almost as if you've never done nothing for us. We go all to pieces and we just, it's like, oh God, oh God, what's going to happen? Oh God, help us, Lord, in, in the time of trouble to be steady, to be steady. And know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You knew this trial would come. You knew it would be difficult. But you said you'd be with us, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Father. I believe you're a God who loves worship. That's what I believe. I'm going to raise my hands and lift my voice by my works and answer to my faith tonight and show you how much I believe you're a God who wants worship. I'm going to worship you. I believe you're a God who demands holiness. So I'm going to give my works, my life, everything that I am to live that kind of life before you so you'll be pleased. My husband and my wife of my life will be married and the progeny of their union will be the outworking of the Holy Ghost made flesh. Then a life lived by the Word is the Word expressed. So the progeny between my faith and my works will be the state of perfection, completion, the stature of a perfect man. Praise God. Praise God. How many wants to worship Him tonight and love Him and serve Him? How many of you Christians have got works in your heart? You've already got works there, don't you? You've got works in your life. You live right. You do right. How many wants more? You want more, Brother, brother West? What about it, young men? You want, want more? Fred, you sisters, what about it? We want more of the works of God in our life. Oh, I ain't just talking about raising the dead now and casting out devils. So sure we all fall in line for that. I'm talking about obedience to the word. Remember the Lord Jesus, this must be important to city dwellers because he emphasizes this in the very last chapter of the very last book of the New Testament. Whoso keepeth my words and then whosoever doeth my words to keep them, to obey them. That's us, friends. That's us. Praise God. Let's just raise our hands now. Hey, let's just sing a little something together before we go. Can we spend just a few minutes just worshiping a little bit before we go? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father.
I believe you're God. I believe you're the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the All-Powerful. El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu. We know, Father, the name of that millennium city will be Jehovah Shammah, for the Lord is there. We believe all these things about you, but Lord God, we want to express not just in what we believe from our words and our mouths, but we want to give our lives, raise our hands in your presence. I believe you're God of worship. You love, your prophet said, you love to be worshipped. It amazes me how many people say they believe that, yet they do not want to do that for you. It proves their faith of believing that has not yet found a wife. So Lord, I pray tonight, may our wife of works be able to reflect our husband of faith. We believe you love worship. Our wife, as the housewife, we know what this common saying is among humans. A man's work is from son to son, but a woman's work is never done. Help us, Lord, to see that it's that way in our life many times. Our faith, I believe this, hallelujah, I believe that, but our works... My, we must continuously pray and read our Bible and we do it without feeling many times. We do it without emotion many times. We do it without sensation. As a wife, many times works and works and she's never praised. And people ask her, what do you do? Oh, I'm just a housewife. As if though that's an inferior position. But it's a great position to one who fulfills it faithfully, Lord, to your call. So is works. Oh, we look at faith and we admire faith. And he's the man of the house. And he's so brawny and he's so great. And we minimize, oh yes, works. But God, help us to get a brand new view tonight of the marriage of faith and works. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. We just saying something. Can we just worship him a little bit now before we go? How many loves him with all your heart? Awesome in this yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. believes he wants you to worship him. You are awesome. Let your hands, your heart, your eyes express your works.
pass, Lord, pass the gates of praise to sanctuary, Lord, to stand in face to face. Look upon your countenance, see the fullness of your grace. I can only bow down and say. Did you need that tonight? Amen. But before we go tonight, I want to sing Please Forgive Me. You want to sing that with me? I'm sorry. My works, my works have not been what they should be. I'm a procrastinator by nature. Amen. There's, there's a few others in here. I know I see hands going up. Spiritually, that's not acceptable. You know, on the job, at, at, in the yard, my, bless my wife's heart. You can get away with those things. Spiritually, it's not acceptable. Tonight, just whatever needs to be done in our lives, let's just lay it at His feet tonight. Let's sing this tonight. Please forgive me. I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I have is you. I'm at your mercy. Yeah. 
for my forgiveness while he was dying on a tree. Please forgive me. I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I have is you. I'm at your mercy. Making this promise tonight. Lord, I will serve you. Your mercy.